Go ahead and pray, and we'll get into our study. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void, and I just ask, Lord, that you would remove me from the equation, that you'd just speak to us, Lord. Just thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We do have a couple of them. Um, Somebody will bring one to you. Um, Okay, cool. So Romans chapter 16, if you guys want to stand, and we will read this and then get into our study. If you can, it's okay. If you can't, don't worry. I commend to you, Phobe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Apennitus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and, and Statius, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Typhenia, Trephosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogus and Julia. Nerus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints who are with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and, of, and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple." For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. Arrestus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Now now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone, wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. 
and just teach us as we study it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated if you've stood. So, the title of this message is The Church is Not a One-Man Show. As we come to the end of the book of Romans, which is chapter 16, it's such an amazing chapter. It gives us such insight into how we see Christians are actually dependent on each other and that there are those in the church that serve the Lord tirelessly. Keep in mind that during this time, there was persecution towards Christ's followers, not only from Jews, but also from Gentiles as well. And in other words, there was persecution against the church. The Romans were the world power at the time. They were not great people. They weren't nice. They were overlords. They were authoritarians. <clears throat> Life was not full of creature comforts that, like what we enjoy today. Um, travel was on foot or a donkey if you were lucky or a horse if you were lucky. If you had money, you would have one of those things. Um, the reason why I'm painting this picture in this fashion is so that we really give opportunity for our minds and our hearts to see how powerful God is when his people dedicate their time to him. Know this, that the church is not about one person doing everything, but God moving in and through many people to accomplish his will. A lot of times as we study the word, Paul wrote majority of the New Testament. And so in and, and his lineage, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees, and so he, he was Jewish and he had all this credibility but it's amazing how he actually takes into account in this chapter these amazing people that God brought into his life that came to know Jesus through his ministry and continued in those things. And we see in verse 1 and 2, Paul um, commends, uh, it's, it's, it's pronounced foebe is how you say her name, where he says, I commend to you foebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in, and, it's, and I said it wrong when I read it, but it's Kentria. Can tree I, sorry, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she is need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So Paul commends um, Phoebe to those in Rome. In other words, he's, he's saying, hey, here's this servant of the Lord. I recommend that, you know, you, she, she, she came to know the Lord in Corinth. This is where Paul had met her, and, and now she's on her way to, this, to the believers in Rome. And so back at that time, you would get a letter of recommendation, per se, so the people knew that you were okay. So that's why it says, I commend you to you, Phoebe, our sister. <clears throat> um, she, was, she was a servant of the church. We see that in verse 1 and 2. The word servant here is actually the Greek word diakonos. It means it's the word where we get the word deacon from. Um, and so we see here that uh, Phoebe was a deaconess in the church of Centuria. Women have a very, very um, special place within the church. God's word says that they're not to be over men and teach over men, but they are not less than in regards to their service unto the Lord or their recognition by God for their service unto the Lord. And so we see here this example of Phoebe and and how she is recognized that she is a servant of the church that she, and, and, and that, that, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Do you see that it's not a separate thing? She's to be received just as anybody else who's a Christian. And so it's very important for us to not marginalize people just because of their place that the word of God allows them to operate in. 
And so Kentry uh, was a small seaport that was in Corinth on the eastern side of, of Corinth. So Paul would have met her during his ministry in Corinth. And we see here Paul is telling those that would be reading this letter that they are to receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, that they are to assist her with anything she needs. And Paul states that she was a helper of many, and Paul himself, personally, she helped him as well. We see here that anyone serving the Lord in the ministry area of helps to others is not marginalized ever, never. When we serve the Lord, like the the areas of service in the back, if you sign up for it, don't ever think that you know, your efforts that you give to this ministry or any ministry for that fact are marginalized. We're serving Jesus. You notice that, the, the, that, that, that uh, receive her in the, in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. It's amazing. Paul was vouching for her because she was on her way to the believers in Rome. This whole chapter talks about, and, 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 and Paul is praising the Lord for all of these people that God was using. And it's such a great example of a humble pastor, a humble leader in the church. We're to recognize each other for what God's doing in our lives. We're to spur each other on. We're to encourage each other in our walks with God. We're to, to you know, like, like somebody said to me today, God should make us uncomfortable so we move. And so these people that we are reading about here, they moved for the Lord. So let us not be stagnant in our relationship with Christ. We see in verse 3 through 5, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. If you go to the book of Acts and you read about them, they were a mighty couple that was used by the Lord. We see here in verse 4 that they risked their own necks. They, they, they actually put their life on the line for Paul's. And so we see just the greatness of what they did in these few verses. And we see here in verse 5 also that they, that they had a church that was in their house. Back then, they didn't have meeting places like this. So Christians would have had home. A lot of home fellowships is pretty much what it was. You had the synagogues, which were the, the Jewish meeting places, and then, then you had the, the Christian church at the time in, in Acts when it was birthed, and people were in their houses, and that's where the churches were. The reason for buildings of this is larger groups of people would gather together. And Lord willing, as this new year comes around, we'll have home groups so that we can actually invite our neighbors to coffee or dinner or whatever and and crack the Bible open and go through a study with them. And so we see here that just Priscilla and Aquila, that they risk their lives. Paul's giving thanks about that. To whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So they were used not only in Paul's life, they were used in all of the churches that were Gentile churches. In other words, Priscilla and Aquila could care less about their own life. They just gave whatever they could physically to everybody that was a believer or not even a believer probably for the purpose of Jesus. There's something to be said about people when their lives are sold out. That's what it means. When you, when you sell out to something, you give everything you have over to it. I think a lot of times in our Christian life, we compartmentalize Jesus or we, we, we put... We put our Christianese into a box on Sunday only, 
Gina and I had a, a very heartfelt conversation this morning about, you know, our house and, and then serving here. There should be no differences. It's amazing when God brings us to a place of recognizing that those differences need to die. They need to go away. So we see here that uh, Priscilla and Aquila were most likely, uh, again, on their way to Rome after being in Corinth. Then we see in verse 5, Paul says, Greet my beloved Epaintos, is how you say his name, who is the first fruits of Achaia or Asia to Christ. This Christian was the first convert in, in that area, which was a Roman province. We see in verse 6, greet Mary who labored much for us. Mary was a believer that labored much for the Lord, serving Paul and those in ministry. There's a real work that God calls people to in, in ministry. Great, greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. It's unknown when Adronicus and Junia were fellow prisoners with Paul. We don't have real documentation of that. We just know that they were fellow prisoners. Um, but nevertheless, uh, they, were, they were prisoners with him. Also, they were mentioned being believers before Paul, numbering them with the apostles. This verse is not calling them apostles. It is just mentioning that they were among the apostles. So, so, so these people in verse 7 were believers before Paul was in prison for their faith. Back then, you know, it wasn't, I mean, a lot of Paul's letters were penned while he was in prison. You know, we, we have such, and I've said this before, it's like in our society, we are so, you know, we, we have entertainment and we're so comfortable and, and we have all these freedoms but it's amazing to me that if you really look at the veracity of the growth of the New Testament church, they had nothing compared to us, and they were exploding because the Spirit of God was moving. And so if you want to see God move, you start petitioning and praying. Show up at 9 a.m. and pray. Come on Wednesday night and pray and see God Move as you request and, and be led by the Holy Spirit. These, these people pray. These people did everything that God asked them to do even when they couldn't do it because they were dependent upon him. The, the, the real answer to the equation is are we dependent upon Jesus or are we not? God's word says that his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. You know, a lot of times, especially as a guy, I don't want to be weak. You know, I want to carry everything. I want to... But that's not what God calls me to be. He wants me to be real with my shortcomings so that his strength would be made perfect in those weaknesses. We see here verse 8 through 15, Paul just goes through a whole gamut of, of folks. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachius, my, my beloved. And if I'm mincing some of these names, I'm sorry, I, I have a hard time with Hebrew and Greek names. Um, greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are of the Lord. Greet 
Tryphenia, Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Do you get what he's saying? He's saying, look, greet these people. There's, there's a love and there's, a, there's a, a purpose in these people's lives. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogus I, I, and Julia, Neurosis and his sister, Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. You know, you could go do a, a, a word study on this and, and, and go back and listen to the sermon and correct all of them. It'll be great. We see here that commentator Leon Morris explains the letter to the Romans in this way. It was a letter to real people, and that's really, this is important. It was a letter to real people, and as far as we can see, ordinary people as well. Ordinary people, just like you and me. It was not written to professional theologians. That's super important because um, a lot of times we can discount what God might want to do with us because of our insecurities, or we think we need to go do all these different, you know, theological studies or know things more. And really, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We complicate it. Again, this isn't a ploy to have you sign up on those lists out there, but put your name on it. Set some time aside to serve the Lord and see what he does in your heart. All of these people that Paul mentions, they were just like normal people. Spurgeon says they were like the most of us, commonplace individuals, but they loved the Lord. And therefore, as Paul recollected their names, he sent them a message of love, which has become embalmed in the Holy Scriptures. Do not let us think of the distinguished Christians exclusively so as to forget the rank and file of the Lord's army. You all are the Lord's army if Jesus is in you. Do not let the eye rest exclusively upon the front rank, but let us love all whom Christ loves. Let us value all Christians' servants. I'm sorry. Let us value all Christ's servants. It is better to be God's, and this is Spurgeon's words, and I thought it was interesting. Spurgeon was very um, to the point and you have to remember that it's an old English type of writing, and so don't get offended by this, but I, I love Spurgeon's writing. He's very to the point. It's better to, be a, it's better to be God's dog than to be the devil's darling. Amen. Dude. <laughs> I didn't write it. <laughs> but it's true, though, because it's like the enemy wants to puff us up. He wants us to feel pretty or whatever it might be, but it's all false. And I can't stress enough the amazing opportunity God gives all of you to do things for him. Show up at the Christmas tree lighting service. Sing in a choir. Mop a floor. Sign up for kids ministry. Help us hang Christmas lights if you're not doing anything on Monday. There are so many people that actually helped Get us here. You know, I've, I've been, my mind is just so stuck on so many things. You know, this is our third Sunday in this building. And I thought, gosh, I haven't recognized everyone that has helped. And before we moved here, 
I was just under an amazing amount of mental pressure because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I had no idea where we would be going. And when we negotiated with the owner of this place, it took him a week to get back. And then it was like, and I had surgery on the 31st. And the owners of the other place were like, so are you going to be out on the 1st? I'm like, yes, we plan on it. No, 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 no. You, <laughs> you need to be out. <laughs> he didn't like me saying it that way. I said, no, we're going to be out by the 30th. And I just want to say, and I know some people aren't here, but there are all of you who helped. How Paul feels about these people, I feel that way about you all. All of you. You put timeless effort into moving this place. And then even after my surgery where I could do nothing, there were those of you that were here for hours doing things. And that was hard for me because, you know, I just... I want to make sure, you know, whatever's done. And so I just want to recognize everybody that helped. Everyone. Your efforts are not unseen by God. And the Lord, may the Lord bless you for what you've done here so far and what's going to continue to happen. And church can't function without the fellowship. It's impossible. You know, you heard me share about that on our, our first work day. That was on a Sunday <laughs> about how there's many, you know, in, Corinthian, in, Cor in, in the book of Corinthians, you know, Paul talks about that, that there's many different parts of the body and not one of us is less than the other. Just because I'm up here talking doesn't mean I'm greater than any of you at all. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of you that have helped. And I know some of you aren't here. You see this on live stream. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's just a beautiful thing seeing people excited about what God's doing in a building that hasn't been used for the Lord for 30 years. And so it's just a neat thing. And I can picture these people in here getting excited out of their relationship with Jesus because they were set free and the Holy Spirit gave them an immense sense of freedom and peace. And they saw Paul being on fire for the Lord. And they're like, I want to do that. Let's do whatever's needed so that people can come and to know Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit confirms the truth of God in people's lives. It's not my job to confirm that. It's not your job. Our job is just to present the gospel, present the word. And the Holy Spirit does the rest. And so thank you so much. I praise the Lord for all of you. It's an amazing thing. And so, yes, it is way better to be God's dog than to be the devil's darling. And I praise the Lord that God loves us so much and that he has a plan for our lives and that when we make mistakes, he's there for us to talk to him, to confess our sins to him, to let him love us. God loves you dearly and he created you to have a relationship with Jesus through his son, a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. It's amazing what God gives us. We see here in verse 16, Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. 
The churches of Christ greet you, and some of you are like, what? What is that? That's kind of weird. Are we going to start doing that now, Brian? <laughs> so no, a holy kiss was a common way back then for Christians to greet each other. It's still a practice in some countries, actually. Um, it's designated as a holy kiss to guard against indecency. Um, in our culture today, we shake hands and greetings usually. And so it was just a cultural thing back then. Um, verse 17 and 18. Now I urge you, brethren, not note those who cause divisions and offenses. So I love, it's interesting, Paul throws in there this whole greeting and everything, and then he, he gets into a warning in verse 17 and 18. Paul warns the Christians in Rome to avoid those that teach anything that is contrary to the doctrine that they learned. See, you have to understand that at the time you had pagan rituals, you had um, the Jewish uh, legal system of religion, and then you had Jesus who came on the scene and said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so Paul was preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, I urge you, be cautious um, those who cause divisions and offenses, there are, people, there are people in your life that will cause a division and want to separate you from your relationship with Jesus. They'll want to separate you from your, the fellowship of a church that teaches the word. And so Paul's giving this warning. And he says here that they're contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and, and, and he's saying avoid them. In other words, don't give them room in your mind. Don't give room in your mind for false teachings. And then in verse 18, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And so when it says that, it means they're serving themselves selfishly, right? Food is a selfish thing, like, right? We want to eat. It's selfish. It satisfies itself only, that's what our stomach's for. It's just to satisfy our own body. It's not used for anything else. So Paul's saying they, they don't have any interest in your well-being. They only have interest in themselves. And he goes and says, and by smooth words, in other words, they were smooth talkers, flattering speech, deceiving the hearts of the simple. And this is still true to today. It's important for us to not listen to any doctrine that is contrary to the Bible, those that teach any other gospel, they do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You may get someone on your doorstep pushing the little magazine or those that come in twos inviting you to see their new temple in the town. These cause those that do not adhere to the teachings of the Bible to be drawn away and deceived. Listen, my friends, the issue is this. Jesus is God. He was not created nor born into existence. He always was and always will be. And if he was not God, Jesus would never have been risen from the grave three days after his death on the brutal cross. So Paul's warning the believers in Rome, and we need to be warned to today. Always be, I, I tell people this, if, if, if I'm up here and, and I'm teaching something out of the Bible and it's wrong Correct me, and if I won't listen, throw me out. Just because this is where I stand doesn't mean that it's not a privilege or it's not a right for me. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here. And we are to study the word of God and we're to, we're to, 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 to really take it in, 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 in seriousness. 
And I always tell those, you know, with Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, you know, they'll, they'll argue, you know, about things. But then the reality is, is that they don't believe that Jesus is God. They believe that he, you know, was created. Well, if Jesus is not God, then what happened on the cross, his death and burial, is a lie. Because only God has the authority over death and life. And Jesus willingly laid his life down for us. Shed his blood for us. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about this, this cross, you know, or whatever that was found somewhere and some history about their family finding it somewhere. And I asked him, I said, well, do you know what the cross is? He goes, well, it's for Christianity. I go, no, it was actually a, uh, a death tool. It was one of the most brutally used ways of execution, actually. It's equivalent to the electric chair. And the electric chair, I think, is more humane than crucifixion, if you want to compare the two. So he's like, oh, I never heard that before. That's what makes the cross so beautiful to us. That's what makes it so amazing, is that it symbolizes the freedom from death that Jesus gave his life for us, brutally murdered on a cross. The Romans created this. They were, they were masterminds at, at, at death and, and, and destruction. And so it's just amazing what Jesus took for us. And so Paul's saying, like, if there's any, if there's any diversion from that, stay away from it. Stay away from it. Verse 19, for your obedience has become known to all. This is amazing. This Again, he's, he's saying, look, your obedience has been known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. So the obedience of the Roman believers had become known to all. This is how it is when there is a group of Christians that are serving the Lord in obedience. People see it. People recognize it. A community recognizes it. And it's fascinating. There's no stopping the good reports of what God is doing when people are obedient to the Lord. And Paul's letting them know their obedience is real, but also for them to not be confused about the real evil that is out there. Satan is real, and evil does exist. So see it for what it is. And I love in verse 20, we see this, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. And it's, so, it's almost like Paul's taking verse 17 through 20, and we see verse 17 through 19, he's giving this warning and he's saying, hey, be wise about this. And a lot of times we can feel like you know, when people bring up evil things or they talk about, you know, how the enemy is and, and how, how hurtful things can be that Satan brings upon people. And, you know, you could think back then, you know, all the persecution and even maybe in your own life, and you're like, oh, you know, this huge weight. And then we see here in verse 20, and it's amazing. It's like this, this release. And the reality is that God is who's in control. God has absolute authority. The enemy doesn't. 
Every tongue will confess and every knee will bow at Jesus. There isn't going to be one thing in heaven or, 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 or on earth or, 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 or in anything good or evil. Nothing at all is going to be able to stand and not be confessing Jesus as Lord ever when, when it's all said and done. And so Paul is just, we see this, verse 20, it, it's not just like it's stuck in this time frame of, of Romans chapter 16 in this era. It's actually an eternal thing. I love that about God's word is it's, it's, it's eternal. It can be applied to our life and we can say, you know what? Satan, you're going to be crushed by God. It's interesting how he puts it and says, and God of, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Whose feet? The Christian's feet. It's not that we have any authority. It's a position that Christ gives us because he lives in us. And God's word says that greater is he who is within you than he that is in the world. And when God defeats the enemy, he allows us to take part in that victory. And I love at the end of verse 20 where it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. It's through the grace of Jesus. Not through anything that we do. It's God who has the authority. And so the reality is, is are we hiding underneath the veil of God or are we trying to do it on our own? Such an amazing proclamation about the fact that Satan's destiny is to be crushed by God. The God of peace is who does this. Do you know him? Do you know the God of peace? Is he your friend? Does he reside in you? God's word says that if he stands at the door and knocks, will you allow him to come in? And if you do, he'll sit and eat. He'll abide inside of you. He will give you what you can never give yourself. He gives me what I can never do for myself. You need to know him. And you need to know him today if you don't. It's very important. It's where peace comes from. Peace that transcends all understanding. It's amazing what God gives us. Not only does he save us from the destiny that we have without him, when we don't have Jesus, we stand condemned already before a true and living God that is an eternal God. And then when Jesus is invited, when we allow the gospel to penetrate and we say, yes, I'm a sinner, Lord, I need you, I want to be saved, will you please save me? And when we pray and invite him in, we no longer stand in that place of condemnation. Because then when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees his son. His righteousness is imputed or placed into the believer. Nothing that we have done. It's only by the grace of God. It's an amazing thing. Not only are we saved from hell, but we are given peace and reassurance and comfort. It only comes from the Lord. Now, am I saying, oh, life's just going to be a bunch of peachy keen, you know, cake all the time? No. That's garbage. And Paul wasn't saying that either. 
Why else would Paul write in verse 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly? Probably because there was a lot of things happening in these believers' life that they were feeling like they were in peril. See, God comes and comforts us when we need it. May the God of peace fill you. You need him if you don't know him. Verse 21, he continues, he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sospatar, my countrymen greet you. So Timothy was Paul's spiritual son in the faith. First and second Timothy was written to him. Lucius, Jason, and Sospatar are mentioned here as Paul's countrymen. They most likely were Jews. They were from the same area of Paul. And then we see in verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Now, don't go all of a sudden and say, well, then who the heck wrote this if this guy, Tortilla, wrote it? Just kidding. Back then, it was customary to have a scribe actually dictate to write what you dictated to them. And so we see here that he places his word in there, that, that Paul allowed this to happen, um, that, that he was placed in there to greet them also in the Lord. And so don't discount just because of verse 22. Don't say, well, then Paul didn't write this, okay? Um, again, context is king. It's important to know the who, what, when, where, why when we read the Bible. We can't just take one verse and go, well, that means all the rest of this is wrong. We see in verse 23, Gaius, who my host and the host of the whole church greets you, Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you, and Quartus, a brother. What a beautiful reputation this man Gaius had. Not only was he kind and generous to Paul, but was noted as the host to the whole church. He was kind in such a way that he was recognized as being kind to the whole church, excuse me amazing. Verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We see here Paul's typical closing benediction. So important in our personal lives to have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in and with us. We need him daily, moment by moment. We see here in closing, verse 25, 26, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God be alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever, amen. And we see here in verse 25 through 27, it's amazing, to God be all the glory that is, <clears throat> that, that he is able to give you, okay? And, and, it, and he is able to give you an established foundation that is according to the true gospel that Paul preached. And this true gospel would be the gospel of Jesus Christ that is according to the supernatural revealing of God's grace and mercy and his plan of salvation that was not just for the Jews, but was also for the Gentiles. And so that was the mystery in the culture then because ultimately, 
you have to remember in, that, that God, the true and living God was for the, the Jews only. And then when Jesus came, the ministry went to the Gentiles. And so this was a mystery. It's like, how can the God of the Israelites be the God to the Gentiles when these groups have been separated for centuries? And so even for us being Gentiles, it's a mystery. God has allowed us to see the Lord. You're like, wait, am I a Gentile? Well, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. It was, a, it was this secret shrouded from man's own intellect, this salvation that was for everybody. It was, it, was, it was a secret shrouded from man's own intellect, only revealed by God himself through his son, Jesus Christ, so that no man could glory in his own discoveries. In fact, it is by the grace of God that any person comes to understand their need for Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of their life. It's by God's grace that we are brought to a place of recognizing our need for Jesus as our Savior. And he loves us so much. He wills no one to perish, but all to come to repentance through Christ. God isn't in heaven with a, a, you know, a, 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 a stick trying to hit us or a thumb trying to put us down. That's not who he is. Now, do we pay consequences for disobedience? Yes. But he is not the God trying to chase us with a whip and hurt us. He loves you so much. He loves us so much. So we see here, Paul's just giving adoration and recognition that it's through God, through Jesus, who's able to establish. We need to be, understand that it is through him that our foundation is established. It's through Jesus. And it was through Paul's preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that that uh, that, 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 that happened with those that, you know, were, were listening to him. And, and, and according to this revelation of this mystery that was kept in secret since the world began. It's the Lord that reveals who he is to sinners like us. You may not know it, but if you're in desperate need for Jesus today. I'm in desperate need for Jesus every day. You think, well, Brian, well, that's kind of negative. You know, you say that. I'm a good person or whatever. And, well, if we don't understand our need or our, 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 our how, if we don't understand our need, how can we actually fix it or supply it? We need to recognize our, our need for the Lord. by grace of God that any person comes to understand their need for Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And he bids you today to come to him. See, the knowledge and understanding of God's love and plan of salvation is now available and made known to all nations through his word, which is the Bible. All of this is in alignment with God who is eternal. There is no end to him. He is God forever. We are handed all of this not to just hear it, but it is to drive us to a place of obedience to faith in the work of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying here in verse 26. That's why it says, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith. See, we can sit here and listen to the Bible. We can listen about Jesus, 
But if it doesn't produce obedience to having faith in him, then we're just, we're not adhering to what God's wanting to do in our heart. We're handed all of this not to just hear it, but as to drive us to a place of obedience to faith in the work of Jesus Christ that he, that he accomplished on the cross, shedding his blood for you and I, giving his body for our salvation. Isaiah chapter 53, verse four through five says this. Hey, good, you guys can read that up there. I was worried about that. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I want you to look at the actual penmanship here, the the, the, the structure of the sentence, okay, is so important in the word of God. It gives validity to the, to the weight of what God has given to us. Surely he has born. When that word born, it means carry. It means birthed out of. It means when you have a child in you, you're carrying it with you. you don't, it's not separate from you in any way. And so, and maybe when that word born, and I think of a, a woman with a child, that's just my own intellect right now thinking of these things. And so, but surely he has born. That word born, it means to carry, to hold, to, 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 you, he, 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 he has carried your griefs. How many of you have dealt with grief? I have, we all have. This tells us that, that the things that in our life that, that burden us deeply, God has borne that. He has carried it, Jesus himself. And he's carried our sorrows, not just our grief, but our sorrows also. Things that make us sad, things that affect our life. Things that break our heart. He's carried it. And what's amazing here is that the writer of Isaiah speaks about how people would have seen it. Isaiah was written hundreds of years before Christ's crucifixion. And if you want to read Isaiah 53, I encourage you to write that down and read it later today. It's the most descriptive chapter in the Bible pertaining to who Jesus was, what he looked like in his crucifixion, what is given to us. But I wanted to take these two verses to talk about the fact that what Christ has done for us on the cross because see, he just wasn't a picture on a wall or just some symbol or some, some thing that's celebrated at Christmas or Easter or whatever on a Sunday, but he literally has taken our griefs and he literally carried your sorrows on the cross. And when we see here, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In other words, people looked at Jesus on the cross and they said, there's a sinner. God's not with him because he hung on the cross as a, as, a, as, a, as a criminal. Crucifixion was a punishment for criminals. And as we read through the gospels, we see that that actually happened with Jesus, that he was seen as a criminal, yet we esteemed him not. We esteemed him stricken, Smitten by God and afflicted. In other words, God can't be with that guy. He's on the cross. How many of you guys feel that way about yourself? God can't be with me. But when we see this scripture here, Jesus literally bore what you carry so that he could take it, so that you wouldn't have to carry it anymore, so that I wouldn't have to carry it anymore. 
So that when life is too difficult, we can lay it down and say, Jesus, take this. We see in verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That word transgression, it means willingly going against. Sinning against God. Willfully disobeying God. How many of you would build a relationship and actually put yourself in a position of helping someone that continually punched you in the face? None of us would. That continually broke your trust. That continually did whatever negative towards you. Put it on there, whatever. Jesus himself, who is God, who is perfect, who loves, who doesn't deserve anything negative. He wasn't wounded because the Jews wanted to murder him because they thought they needed to get rid of him because they wanted to keep their own status in society. Yes, that was a a drive for that to happen. But this is why he was wounded for us. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, written by the prophet Isaiah. This is why Jesus went to the cross. Because of your transgressions and my transgressions. He was wounded because of those things. He was bruised because of our iniquities, our our, our sin. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his, what? His stripes. By his stripes, we're healed. I don't know what God showed Isaiah when he wrote this, but I could almost imagine that Isaiah just being able to only pen stripes. Because of the horrific death that Jesus went through. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails. Ripped out his back. Most men died at the whipping pole before they went to the cross. And then they strapped the top of the cross to him and made him walk to Golgotha. Which if you ever see a picture of it, it's actually the hill of the skull and it actually looks like a skull. And so let us not miss the reality of what Jesus has done for us. That because of his body being broken, because of his blood being shed, because of his willingness to go to the cross, that he bore our griefs, that he's carried our sorrows. I mean, I think like when Jesus was carrying part of that cross, was he thinking about all of us carrying our sorrows? Like why did the Holy Spirit allow Isaiah to say carry? I didn't say drag. Because it it shows 
what it's like when someone who cares about us actually comes alongside of us and lifts the things out of our life that we can't lift up. We can fix a spare tire sometimes, right? We can, we can vacuum a carpet. We can do all these different things. Doctors can fix hearts, right? I just had heart surgery. I was talking to Pamela. Her eyes are fixed. Doctors can do all sorts of things. But no doctor can carry your sorrow. No doctor can bear your grief. No doctor will be bruised for your sin. No doctor can give you peace. It's interesting in verse 5 how it says the chastisement for our peace, in other words, our, the requirement for our peace was this chastisement that Christ took. See, Jesus knew all this was going to be happening at the Garden of Gethsemane. That's why he prayed, Lord, if this cup can be taken from me, please. But if there's no other way, I'm paraphrasing it. He thought of you. He thought of me. He thought of the necessity of our life being set free from the bondage and control of sin and death. He thought of us saying, look, I know that Brian is here. I know he's going to make mistakes, but I, he's mine And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that he knows that I love him. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you don't know the Lord. People can go to church for 50 years and never know Jesus. People can go to church once and become like Paul. The difference is, are you listening and being willing to let the Holy Spirit Soften your heart and be obedient to what he's asking you to do. And he, I believe he says, he bids people to come to him. He says, come to me all you who are heavy laden and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this life is not light. And what Jesus did for us on the cross is amazing. And Paul's ministry was all about that. And that's why Paul had the freedom by the Holy Spirit to write about these people because these people were people that God snatched up, filled up, and they were passionate about him. But we have to be in a place where we're willing to let God mold us. I have to be in that place. And he's so gracious and so loving. Like Pamela said, sometimes he needs to make us uncomfortable so we move. And uh, that's true. So if you don't know Jesus today and you don't, you're not sure of your salvation, where you're gonna go when you pass or having this peace that I talked about, come up after service and we'd love to pray with you and share with you what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you need prayer for anything after service, we'll be up front to pray with you.
the worship team wants to come forward. I don't know if you have another song, but sometimes I go over and they're like, I thought we were supposed to play. <laughs> Let me go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much for each person here. I thank you for your word that it never turns back void. Thank you for your grace that I'm able to stand here, Lord. Just thank you, God. We pray for Israel. That you would move there, Lord. Sorry that I didn't pray for that earlier. Lord, we just ask that you would just have your way in our hearts. Just ask that you would just continue to move. Help us to not be afraid of you. Just thank you, God, for your love and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.